Well, hello out there to all the dirty heathens out in the wastelands. This is the Lorekeeper, and with me, as always, is Celtic God. Hi. And today, <laughs> we're going to talk about a subject we're actually pretty interested in, um, and that's going to be burial mounds. And kindness? How do burial mounds, cave paintings, fairies, elves... And poop all go together. Yes. Sewage. All Sewage that. is... Indoor it, plumbing. It's going to be Indoor plumbing is very important. Yes. But one of the things that is important to bring up is we never technically stopped making burial mounds. We, we still do it. Uh, it we just change the way that we do it. Yes. And part of this is... So there's something that actually happened in America that actually kind of ties a lot of what the burial mounds are together. And that's there's this old custom where instead of burying someone when they died, they would literally just seal the house up. Right. Well, and obviously that wasn't everybody. That was the eccentric rich person or the really honored rich person or just the loner that. It, well, the full variety of reasons, actually. Well, and sometimes it wouldn't. The person wouldn't be rich in any other way than they have. Well, sometimes they just die and nobody noticed. Or in some cases, it was someone who was very valued, and they'd just be like, you know, no one else can live here. Let's just board it up, even if it was just a cottage out in the woods. Right. Sometimes with the body in it, sometimes without. Much like our burial mounds, because if you if you look into the burial mounds, some of them show. At, Absolutely no evidence that anybody was ever buried in them. It's just a burial mound with nothing in it but dirt. And other burial mounds, there's stuff like the dragon's treasure hoard. And then in other ones, it's there, there were bodies with some stuff, um, whether it's high value stuff or like personal items. Some of them were single chamber, usually smaller ones. And some of them were larger larger burial mounds with many chambers inside of them. Um, much like houses, actually. Yes, much like houses. And the other bit more obvious version of how we've continued to do burial mounds is literally burial mounds. Uh, like putting building a mound over the corpse instead of burying it. Or mausoleums. That's another example. Mausoleums. Well, just the tombs that they, they throw down in, into the ground in modern cemeteries. You know, we never really stopped it, just changed form. Well, it's like a lot of things. You know, we you people have actually brought this up. You look at the oldest way that European ethnic faith was practiced, it was practiced in groves and forests. And then a lot of the northern European sort of temple church styles are actually based on trying to emulate that feel with architecture, like the Gothic style cathedrals. People have pointed this out. It, it looks, it almost gives the feeling of being in a forest. It's designed to create those same shadows, that same feeling of eyes watching you. Right. Well, and what we're saying isn't that, or what I'm saying, isn't that none of the burial mounds were built specifically for the purpose of burial. No, some I'm of them not all did. of them were. That some of them would be the equivalent of the old mansion out in the woods because these actually exist. There's a mansion from like 100 years ago or whatever. It's all closed up. It's out in the middle of the woods. It's dilapidated. It's falling down. But it was just simply closed up. It was somebody's home. Well, if roundhouses, most of them weren't. Okay, if you go on YouTube and you look up roundhouses, they're going to show you a wood wood construction roundhouse. Yes, but... They were actually probably closer to grand hobbit homes. Yeah, closer to a hobbit home, most of them would have been, as opposed to a matchstick house, which is what most of them now are. But sod homes were, they were the thing for millennia. And why? Well, because they're cooler in the summer and easier to heat in the winter. Well, and not only that, it's... Because this is the thing, is they want you to believe that there are a bunch of basically scattered tribes of, like, 50 people just running around like frickin' monkeys in the north, shitting in, shittin in the corner and eating mud. No, there you can't field multiple armies of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people from a minuscule population repeatedly over the course of a few decades. Yeah. Because in some cases, it was literally over the case of a few decades, 
hundreds and hundreds of thousands. I mean, we have problems with it today. Yeah, well, we couldn't do it because people forget this. Most of the modern military is administrative. Yes. And what it is is the the reason I bring up the population difference is how do you how do the Romans march for a long time and then all of a sudden people are falling out of the trees or appearing all around them because they're in the middle of a freaking village mm-hmm. and didn't even realize it? Or how are there how is there so much wildlife with such a high human population? Because supposedly humans destroy the land and then the animals can't live next to them. Right. Well, uh, there's there's so many reasons to do it, but everybody thinks of the Celtic Roundhouse as this um, this matchbook house that you see all the time now when they show how to build roundhouses, and for sure some were built that way, but some were also made out of stone. There's complexes, actually, that you can look up. Uh, Ireland, Scotland, and the Iberian Peninsula. Oh, yeah, and they look just like it. Basically, what happened basically, was... Basically, cities. Basi- that- yeah, it's like an underground hobbit city, and it's only underground in the sense that there was ground above. Right. It's not a situation of they dug down, it's they built the ground up. Right. Um, and then what basically well, you, happened you was the, the roof houses, fell. Yeah, you, you build the houses, you, you put up your, your roofs and whatnot, and then you basically backfill around them and it shows that uh, in these villages there's walkways nothing says that those walkways were covered as well those walkways very well could have been open and very reminiscent of smaller compact cities today well it's kind of like well, how not cities now but because our cities are way too big now but um like well it's like uh where i'm middle age uh, uh villages uh they have some of them in the mountains still and Spain and Italy, they're, most of them are abandoned, well, but they're there. Well, it's used to be there used to be walkways between different areas. It's like the stereotypical tree houses. There's mm-hmm. walkways. It's the same, like the Hobbit houses, to be realistic, actually should have tunnels or walkways from one related Hobbit house to another. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is the way these houses are constructed is basically like leveling up the way bears make their burrows. Yeah, it's like taking a, a bear burrow, which uh, I've mentioned this before. A lot of people think one den, one bear. It doesn't work that way. Not always. It depends on the population, the environment. There's a The lot social of structure, how yeah. many bears there are, what the family relations are, how big the den is. But there are quite a few times where there will be one den and there's like, four or five full-grown bears in there. Of course, there's times where you have a den and there's just one bear in there or one bear and cubs because she had cubs. But quite frequently, there's two, three, four full-grown bears in these dens. Yes, and this is another thing is we've brought up repeatedly that we're bear people. We we thought it was ridiculous at first too, but we found more and more evidence to support it. The more that we tried to disprove ourselves, the more it turned into... Huh. We're very bear-like. Yeah. Um, but one of the key similarities is we actually do semi-hibernate naturally. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that semi-hibernation that we do, um, we're also, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're very built like bears. We have the same diet as bears. Well, uh, let me back up to the, the hobbit houses. A lot of people think sod house, oh, so it's a house and then you bury it with dirt it's going to be dark and dank and everything else inside. Why? What what rule says that this has to be the case? Why wouldn't you have windows in it? Why wouldn't you have a skylight, for instance? Well, people or just windows in the side. Because if you think about it, most of us right now we live in wooden boxes. Yes, and the main difference is it's a wooden or stone box that has that's a better built than this crap. And then it has the sod on top of it. it typically vaulted ceilings. Well, like the well, one time, because even a conical ceiling, which is just guesswork, to be honest, I don't think that we did. No, that's uh, the, nonsensical. The, the conical roofs. I think what we did was vaulted. Well, and it's because all, it's easier. It's easy. I always look at it that way. Which one is easier? In some cases, very few, the conical the conical roof is going to be easier. Well, and honestly, a conical roof doesn't make a ton of sense in the north. That's why we have almost no buildings now that are conical. Right. Because you need it's, something. It's a pain in the ass. Any, any, ask anybody that's ever roofed. It is a pain in the ass. It'd be way easier to make a domed or a peaked roof, yeah, every, even on a round house. Yeah, everyone thinks it's easier. It's not. And it's... 
It's like think of the Shire, the the Shire in the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. None of those Hobbit homes are dingy. They're warm and they're cozy. And yes, it's a hole in the ground with a big round door, mm-hmm. but it's a very very cozy hole in the ground. But for <clears throat> for windows, for instance, it's a very old old concept. A half barrel window. So is a hole or a opening in the roof that you can open up to let light in. Look at some of your, I mean, you're not going to find anything truly ancient because it's collapsed. But you can find castles, for instance, where there's a door or a window up high, big enough for people to go through. But there's no evidence on the side of the building that anything was ever there. Why is that door there? It's let in light, let in air. It's a giant freaking window. Well, if somebody falls out it, well, fuck it. They didn't deserve to be in the gene pool anyways. Well, and this brings us to another thing is if you were doubting the idea that the mounds were houses originally, and this would also explain a few other things like where the frick are all the houses or the ruins of old houses that used to exist in the north? Or why are there conspicuous uh, troughs and uh, basically moats Oh, yeah, because in those, um, in those three sites that I mentioned, which is clusters of roundhouses, they think that they're just the uh, foundations, but the foundations are a little deep to be just foundations, and then there's, there's stone working in there that indicates that it was actually a living space. Anyways, that besides the point. I was reading some papers from when they, they first discovered these, and they're like, oh, there's no way that people lived here, so on and so forth, because they're discounting that it was a village because Europeans didn't, ancient Europeans didn't have villages because it's in the ground and it would flood. And then along comes the rainy season because, yes, we get rainy seasons too. Even if you live in the area, like, ask anybody from England. They'll Ask them when the rainy season is. They'll be like, yes. Yes. That's the answer, yes. All year round rain. If it's not raining, it's snowing, and then it goes back to rain. Yes, and if it's not doing either of those, it's fog everywhere. Right. Uh, th- that's just the rain floating in the air at that point. Yes. <laughs> but in the bottom of the... And some of it was carved, and some of it was lane like masonry. But there's there was trenches from in the floors of the roundhouses, which goes out into the walkways, and then these these trenches, and they couldn't figure out what they was for until it started raining heavily, and then somebody went out to the site, which they was avoiding when it rained up until this time, and then they're like, oh, hey, look at that. Those trenches are funneling water away from the village. Yes. Duh. Well, and here's the thing is what we think it was is... I think it was sewage. It was sewage. It was... uh, Because otherwise, why have it run directly into the house because and okay i understand most people don't know sod roofs don't leak for them to leak it takes an unbelievable amount of water for it to leak through yes and then and and a sod roof isn't just a sod hanging over your head either there's a wooden frame or if you're really a go-getter you could have a stone a stone base to put the uh, the sod on on top, but typically it'll it'll be wood. It doesn't leak, so why have that drain in the house unless you have a drain put a floor over top of it for you to put liquid down and or even sewage? Because there's um, and at least one of them they're like there's these this marking in the stone and it's rather dark and we can't figure out what it is. Anybody that's had to mess with sewage before knows what that is. Yes. Well, and here's the other thing is in the south of Europe, so like Roman Greece, they had like the aqueducts and they actually had sewers, people, so much so that they had a goddess of sewers. I forgot what her name was. Well, London had a sewer system and they rediscovered it. Yes. So this is nothing new. These things are nothing new. We've had them for a long time. Mm -hmm. And what's... What's the difference between aqueducts? Why wouldn't they work in the north? Because it gets freaking cold. Yeah, because I mean they'd work just fine in the summertime, but they, but in the winter, in, no. In the winter, what's the point? Because they freeze up, and aqueducts aren't always open either. No, uh, because a lot of them are actually enclosed. 
the ones that you see in the pictures, those ones are open. And why? Because it's pretty. And they probably weren't open at the time. They they probably had wooden covers over top of them to keep well, bird shit and whatnot out of it. Well, and part of what the aqueducts probably functioned as, the open ones, was evaporation as a form of cleaning. Yeah. Because we still do that today. We just kind of speed it up. Well, yeah. yeah. And the only place that you'd have it open really would be the areas where the water flows faster because... I got really interested in water and uh, the aqueducts, so I started actually looking. They they drilled holes through mountains for these aqueducts, but there's some areas where they intentionally made it steeper so that the water speed the water would speed up. Those areas, there's no indication that there was any covers over top of it. It's almost like they created a waterfall to what mix they were the water doing effectively up. was using a natural processy of a river or a mm -hmm. stream to clean the water it's like when we make quote-unquote natural pools which is just code for they made a a pond they, that they dug cleaned. a hole they dug a hole and made a pond and then they called it a sometimes na natural swimming pool right well like um I, I knew one guy he was digging a hole and he it's a beautiful pond in his yard he was digging a hole i forget what he was digging it for i think he was going to put a put up a new building and he hit groundwater now he has a pond pond it's a natural pond because he didn't mean for it to be a pond. It just filled up. <laughs> it was basically, oh, hey, there's a hole. I am water. I fill hole. Well, and it has fish in it, and he didn't put any fish in it. Well, and here's the thing is, the, it's partially birds, frogs, all these things. They will show up on ponds, and then birds actually end up, because they drop a fish or they shit out eggs, well, you end up with water, fish. So it, the fish also possibly could have came up from... From the, the water um, yeah. table. Well, it's like um, a lot of these things are, this is, these things are, we, we're the same as we've always been. We're just kind of clouded. It's like wearing rose-colored glasses, but instead of rose-colored, they're like shit-colored. Yeah. Well, and why? Because we're told that we didn't have anything. But um, there's also evidence that the burial mounds, for generations, people would bring not not garbage, uh, in some cases garbage, but in general, dirt, manure, extra manure, organic material, and throw on top of the mound, creating the bigger mound because the mound was shrinking. Yeah, and you want it to keep growing. Right, so if the mound shrank, why would it shrink? It's because there was an empty space inside. Yeah. So then what, what do we suppose happened? The ceiling collapsed. Well, and this brings me to another important point. Um, aside from the simple fact that people like to think that the South was more technologically advanced than the North. No, it was about the same, actually, if not the North was a bit superior in well, some Rome, ways. Well, Rome, for instance, actually talked about trading for technology and or starting wars with the express purpose of seeing the Northern tribes' technology so that they could claim it for themselves. And copy it. Same yes. with... Uh, Occasionally, they'd actually straight up borrow gods. Like, there's stories of Apollo and uh, Artemis actually originally being from Hyperborea. Yeah. And coming down from the woods to Greece. Right. And there's a whole plethora of descriptors around that. Like, anything from buying the gods. Yeah. I think they paid, the I think they paid a story, and the North was like, oh, hey, sure, I'll, I'll tell right. you a story. I, I'll, I will pay you to hear stories about your gods, and then the people from the South think that they're literally buying the gods, and the people from North being like, oh, he's paying me to tell them stories. Fuck yeah, I'll tell them stories. How many it, stories do you want to hear? Yeah. it's You just get us started, because you get us excited, and we'll tell you all about our invention, and over there there's the Chinese person taking notes. Uh-huh, and how do you do that? Uh-huh, uh-huh, mm -hmm. uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. It's, but it's the yeah, reason it, it's I, the whole thing. I'm sitting here talking with my hands, not saying anything. So, <laughs> yes, occasionally we do that because we forget we don't have a camera on us yet. But the um, the reason I bring that up is because then another thing to bring up with the mounds is first of all, this is actually pretty impressive engineering because mm -hmm. animals can do it, but most human populations do not build uh, houses like that. No, and Actually, there's evidence of hearths and chimneys effectively in yes. the mounds. Well, and the ones where you can tell when you're digging down through anybody that, that's had a job, um, I don't know, digging foundations, digging in the dirt, basically. There's marks, and you can look this up, 
when you dig down, if you dig a trench, you can tell where a hole was because there'll be a strip or a block or there'll be a patch of dirt that is a very different color and it'll have a slightly different consistency to the rest of the dirt around it. And this is how they've identified where posts have been put in the ground for stilt houses um, or as, as uh, foundation posts. Uh, because apparently there's a difference. There's not really a difference. Uh, where foundations were laying, pulled up, and then buried. You can tell all kinds of stuff from the marks in the dirt. So, and from the marks in the dirt and or the remains of some of the ceilings that have collapsed, they can tell that there was a, they say a hole to let out, uh, let out the smoke. I say there was probably some kind of piping because you can make it from just about anything. And clay pipes are amazing, but you can also make pipes, smoke pipes out of wood. Well, it's, and here's the thing is either way, they actually last longer and work better than metal pipes because yes. every we have so many metal pipes clay actually works better it contaminates the clay water works less. way better um with the the wood and the leather and, and they have to be treated so that they don't um acidify fall apart and catch fire but you can treat wood and leather to make a a chimney out of it we're creative and we're lazy so why would we not figure this out i mean Obviously, the first one's probably not. But by the time they're creating these these city things, uh, I forget how old they say that they were, really fuckled is their guess. Because honestly, at a certain point, you're just guessing. But by the time we're creating complexes with sewage, um, yeah, with, with sewage and, and potentially indoor plumbing, by the time we get that far, yeah, we definitely have chimneys. Because the chimney's going to come before indoor plumbing yes and that is part of the the thing is once you realize that our ancestors were not technologically inferior then you have to start putting two and two together and one of those things is clay pipes are really freaking old you're mm -hmm. telling me we had advanced metal working and effectively a sewage system but couldn't figure out clay clay, clay pipes. pipes yeah or hole in object technology that's my favorite one well how did we make wire they had to bang it bang out the wire no it's called hole and object te technology. It's the same way that we make wire now. Yes, and this brings me to another good point, which is ever wonder why the Fae, the Elves, and like the white women, the the white wit weaving, white witches, or the, the, the white wise women. women it, there's so many different names for them. They're associated with the mounds, and there's actual illustrations of them just straight up living in the mounds. Mm -hmm. And some people say they're the ghosts of women. Other people say they're nature spirits, fairies, elves, imps. Some people argue that they're memories of wise women that used to live on the heath. Right. So are these burial mounds? Yes. Were they once houses? Most probably. The What's the difference? Um, is there space inside and does somebody live inside of it? Well, and that brings me to the other thing is one of the old words, or old terms, especially in like the British Isles and Western Europe for heathens and pagans and people who practiced ethnic faith was good fellow, but also fae or elves. And that doesn't mean the fae and elves are not separate uh, spirits, but it means that there was enough conflation that... Well, let me ask it this way. Are Fae people or are they spirits? And the answer should be yes. Well, and that's another thing is a lot of these quote unquote nature spirits that people think of. First of all, the, the, the actual categories have become really overlapped. But like something as inhuman looking as the perchton with bird heads used to be the ghosts of dead children that were in the care of Perchta who chose to stick mm -hmm. around with her. These are, it's a thing. A lot, sometimes instead of reincarnating or going to the meadow of the ancestor, we get in good enough with a God that we would rather stick around with them than come back. So eventually we become a spirit with them. It's a whole thing. Mm -hmm. Well, and then somebody might ask, well, why are all these, um, these designs carved into the burial mounds? Because why not? Well, we do it now. It's like... Uh, well, there, there's so many reasons we could do it because we because the person is dead or the, the house is dead. And it's just respect for the, the, the deceased, right? 
It could be to honor somebody that fell in battle. It could be, it could have been done when the, some of it could have been done when the person was alive because like you said, we decorate our houses now. Well, and this brings me to one of my favorite things I put two and two together with, you know, all those absolutely beautiful cave paintings in Europe, you know, that are often coinciding with uh, bear cult sections, or at least they're in the same neighborhood. Um, have you ever noticed that our kids instinctively, even if you give them paper, pencil, whatever, they will end up drawing on the wall? Oh, yeah. And in fact, there's a rather common um, art form in uh, Europe and our lands that we do all the time on walls. It's called a mural. Yes. We even do it now, except it's illegal. It's all the street art. Yes. Well, and, and yeah, it's illegal unless you're an artist and paid to do it. Because then it's graffiti. It doesn't matter how pretty it is. Anyways, yes. We've always done wall art. And why? Because it's there. Well, one of the things everyone always forgets in medieval castles, and it's because they got painted over when they weren't in style, is during the medieval period, these castles and palaces and homes were just covered in murals everywhere. Well, murals and or tapestries, quite frequently both. And what do you and, and there's a reason for the tapestries. Yeah. It, it's, it cuts down on the echo and it makes it warmer and brighter and you can wash, those are easier to wash than a wall. Yes. Well, and it also comes back to a very simple thing, which is we do it now. And what do you put on the wall? The thing you value. A lot of times people will outsource it with paintings that they bought or posters. Um, but some people, like there's a lot of people, this was a trend, especially with my generation, of taking a map of like Middle Earth or Westeros or something and then basically painting it as a stencil on your wall. Yeah. Because these fantasy stories operate as surrogate mythology, so they're the closest thing we're getting to our sacred tales. So we're painting them on the wall. This doesn't this isn't something that de emphasizes the importance because what do kids often end up painting? Well, actually it shows just exactly how instinctive it is. Yeah, it's and once we understand that it's an instinct, we can go back and look and say, what was this most likely based off from, based off from our instinct? Why is this thing the way that it is? And then strip away the civilization, the, the comfort, the ease, be like, this is something that would have been done in the spare time. And why? Sometimes the answer is literally eh, just cause sometimes it'd be, well, this would be a way to teach the different animals and, and the, the movement patterns and how to interact, how to hunt them, a teaching tool. And then other times it's just a story. And sometimes it's because there's different qualities of these, of these paintings. And they seem to be in clusters, almost like the kids were drawing down low and the adults were doing the ones up high. Yeah, and, it, and this is actually something that everyone likes. You know, one of those things of everyone liked that kid draws kind of kind of a crappy drawing but it's neat it's got good ideas mm -hmm. actual skilled artist takes art draws the adult version yes it's a thing and this uh, is there's youtube videos it, they're it. really um, popular jazza does that they're jazza, really jazza art i forget what his channel name is there's entire instagram channels that are just that oh where they take kids drawings and then update them yeah as as like as a professional yeah exactly and it's awesome. Everyone likes that. Yeah. Um, except people without hearts. Anyway. Monsters. That's who don't like it. Yeah. Just like people that don't like puppies. Or cookies. Yes. I know they're sweet, but you can't argue with one good chocolate right. chip cookie. One, one cookie won't, uh, is good for you. Uh, anyways. Yes. Yeah. But back to the point is um, when children draw, especially when they're young and they're not told how to, which... This is a whole nother topic, but just as an aside, don't make your kid be right-handed. A lot more kids are naturally left-handed than they're letting be known, but we instinctively have been taught by the church for over a thousand years to make our kids right-handed because lefties are the devil's minions. But back to the art, children will instinctively... Well, uh, hold on. I want to fill in on that part. Started with the church. The, the left-handers are the devil's minions. And then it worked into academia, and they said left-handers were retarded. This is not true. And it, it, here's the thing is, like writing, for instance, if the kid picks up the, the crayon with the left hand, just let them use it left-handed. Don't take it and put it in the right hand. If you're right-handed, you just do it the way that, that you do it and let them do it 
the way that they do it. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be horrible when they first start. It's going to be harder for you to put your hand on their hand and guide them, but you can do that. Or better yet, make them figure it out themselves by you just doing it repeatedly in front of them with them trying to copy you. Okay, that's my left-handed Yes. Bird. He, uh, also, bonus for left-handers, you get an advantage in fight because most people aren't used to fighting them. Right. It's, it's not that left-handers are inherently better fighters. It's that we're left-handed. Most people aren't used to fighting left-handed people. Everybody is used to fighting right-handed people. Well, and Tyr is known as the left-handed god as one of his epithets. So that just some, just some food for right. thought. But kids will instinctively draw daddy with a beard. Mommy with long hair, they'll draw dragons and bears and unicorns and all these fantasy creatures. Uh, they'll draw fantastical things. One of the things, and I hate bringing this up because a lot of people will take this the wrong way. When they draw the sun, a lot of kids will instinctively draw solar symbols from our ancestral past. Mm -hmm. Before ever being introduced to the, like, the cartoon sun, they will actually draw like solar symbols to represent the sun and sometimes they'll use all of them sometimes they repeatedly use a particular one yes and there's a lot of solar symbols so i'll let you figure out which ones we're talking about right. but the um if you take this this element and all these communal aspects that we still do and then you transplant them onto that what you end up with is this beautiful artificial effectively sacral cave system that we live in and then if someone's important enough you bury them inside the house with all the you things they care about. And then they go to the other world or the meadow of the ancestors or live with the gods or whatnot. And I think this is one of the key things that a lot of people don't notice is have you ever noticed that a lot of the quote unquote offerings to the dead in these burial mounds are, um, they're kind of everyday items like clothespins. Most of them, or it'll be a personal item personal to the person. And it really fucking pisses me off when these archaeologists are like, well, you see, the people believed that if you put the stuff in the, in the burial mound or the tomb with them, that they could take this to the afterlife with them. We still do it. Does anybody actually think when you throw, I don't know, a fucking white snake cassette tape into the, the hole with the coffin that the guy is going to heaven and he's going to have a physical copy of the white snake cassette tape with him? Fuck no, we don't believe that. No, it's just this. I've never met anybody that literally believes that. Well, it's like people will be like, they sacrificed a dog and a horse. Well, here's the thing. It's like, um, I'll take an American folklore example. Pecos Bill. Mm -hmm. Pecos Bill is literally the only person that can ride his horse because the horse will pretty much kill anyone else that tries it. This actually happens. Horses will not let anyone but the one person ride them, which means you either have to let that horse go wild or kill it. Right, and then here's and, the thing: in is, some cases, it's it's in some cases it'd be just fine to let it go. In other cases, it would be very dangerous to do that. So then that animal has to be put down. Where do you put the animal? Well, we'll put it with the with the owner, and then oh, wrap your mind around this. But what about the horses? Horses used to be food. Oh yeah, the church actually banned it. It was so common. Yes, and it tastes pretty good apparently. So, um, we're gonna have a feast for his funeral. Um, let's kill his horse because he's not going to be around to, to take care of it. And besides that, it's his horse. He's not going to complain. We will eat his horse and then we will put the bones in the skin in with him. That is one of the many possibilities. And I think far more likely than just, ha uh, killing the animal and just throwing it in there well, or more. Worse yet, a fucking person? Well, and here's There's the, no evidence to, to suggest that. No, but it's not unheard of, for example, for wives after their husband died, especially if their children are grown, to kill themselves. Yep. I'm not, it, or enraged for both members to die. Well, there's a straight-up myth about it. After uh, Siegfried dies, Brunhild gets on his funeral pyre. She's not sacrificing herself for Siegfried. She, is, she doesn't want to live without him. That... And she hates everyone there for screwing her over. So this yeah. is her last fuck you. Yeah. So there's the, the full plethora of reasons. None of it involves, I don't know, these sacrifices for the reason that these archaeologists and these wannabe priests will say that this is done. Nobody fucking believes it. Just be honest with yourself. You don't believe it. Well, no one buys, no one in their right mind believes that the Celts were nipple worshippers. Okay, I'm just going to describe this scenario. Oh. Guy is about to be killed. 
cut off his shirt to show off his nipples. And then kill the motherfucker and bury him with all his money. Does that sound like a sacral barrier or... I fucking hate you. I'm well, going to humiliate you before I kill you. described it is, well, he was a great king with, with many servants and a big pile of gold. And he had his shirt with, and you look at it, it's very roughly done. But they're like, he had his shirt specially made with the nipples exposed to which his supplicants would suckle at his nipple. What the fuck? Where are they getting this? I think they're getting it from their own wet dreams. I think there's something wrong yeah, with this. Yeah, I think people. they're a bunch of fags jerking off to the, the idea of this. When far more likely what it was, because I'm go- going to describe a, the same scenario that you did, but with more oomph to it. Because we know that we've done things like this, and we've been tempted in this very day to do it. Somebody comes up. They have, I don't know, their their personal guard, their 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 peons. Most most of us that would just be their fucking peons. And the one dude with money, and he starts trying to throw his fucking money around, acting like he's better than you. What is it that you want to do? You not only want to kill him, you want to humiliate him. You might outright kill his guards if you could get away with it. Kill the people that fucking go around him. Him, you would kick the living shit out of. Rip his very fine clothes. Cut sections off from it. Probably beat him to death with his money. Throw it all in a fucking hole and say, fuck you and walk away. Yep. And this brings me to... Archaeologists, man. They're just... What the fuck, guys? Stop telling the stories. Well, it's like... um, Another thing to bring up is... Simply put, sacred groves. We've actually brought this up before. Not only did we likely have tree houses in the olden days because our forests were big enough... A lot of the sacred groves were also burial sites, and it makes sense. Well, yeah, and there's most of the groves are gone, so there there's very little evidence. But the the bit that is left, and they still find odd things like I don't know a tree, uh, leftover petrified whatever tree roots in the ground, right, shaped like a person. Huh. Which is exactly what tree roots do if a tree grows over top of a corpse. Yeah, because the trees will actually grow their roots in the shape of the meat to absorb as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So the visage of the person buried under the tree will actually be kept in the roots. It'll be preserved in the roots, yes. And, uh, and does that mean that the tree is them? Only if you're a fucking weirdo. No, but it does. Nobody m- actually believes that tree is that person. Well, and sometimes but they- that doesn't mean that the tree is not important. Which brings me to another topic, and we'll probably end up doing one or more to- uh, shows on this whole topic. Is the idea of the kings, the god emperors, the high kings that the god they functioned as a godhead often. It's like uh, in Joan of Arc. For her witch cult, she embodied their deity. Uh, Saint Olaf embodied the responsibility prayer. that comes with leadership. Yeah, the as art, simple as that. Well, when you have a meritocratic system, your leader, because we do it now, the cults of Teddy Roosevelt's, uh, the founding fathers. Okay, this is what pisses me off about that. You got these wannabe motherfuckers out there, and they're everywhere, and they're loud as fuck. Well, yeah. See, the leader represents the god, so like everybody has to like suck his dick and do whatever the fuck they, they tell him to do while they're sucking on their mutton bones and slopping wine all over the place, yo. No. no, 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 no. They represent the God. Fair enough. Or the leader or the hero or whatever. There is a responsibility that goes with that on the person that is doing the representing. Well, it's like Sviatoslav. He was uh, he was ascended to deity among the Slavic tribes because of how great a leader he was. Mm-hmm. Um, or Julius Caesar. Before he was even remotely close to when he would become emperor... The dude got kidnapped by pirates, and then by the end, not only had them running an extremely, extremely well-run ship, because he basically ordered them around and made them more efficient, he then made them pay him, and then by the end got them arrested. Well, depends on the version. Well, here's, here's the reality of it. They disappeared. So maybe he actually held good to his word and, and, and um, enveloped them into the into the Navy. The consensus, the academic consensus, though, is that they got arrested and, and executed, but there's nothing saying that. Well, they I, just disappeared. Well, here's the thing is, 
We even do it now. The idea of the great hero meets some bandits, basically reforms them, and they join his war band. Yes. It's really common. I, I think knowing what's, what Julio did with his life, um, I am more inclined to believe that he actually did hold to his word and got them... Um, they just became part of the Navy, the well, Roman Navy. Well, and here's the thing is, I'm not denying that Julius Caesar did some fucked up shit in the North. Here's the thing. He wasn't a Northerner. And he was brilliant. You, he was brilliant. You can't deny he was brilliant. That's why even the Northerners, we can we can shit on what he did all we want. We should learn from him. He was very good at what he did. Yes. I mean, try to do a little less of the underhanded crap he occasionally did. But still, um, the, these people were so ludicrously impressive that they were placed in a role of godhood because they must be a god. Look at how impressive they are. Right, like... Uh... Who was this? Olaf? St. Olaf. Yeah. yeah. He was. He may have been Christian, but he reigned over an extremely prosperous time in He's many like, ways. Guys, please stop worshiping me. Well, it's the eternal irony. The dude didn't want to be pagan. He was venerated effectively as an incarnation of Freyr. And then when he died, his story was used to be placed over Thor. So he became a big, burly, red-bearded, axe-wielding, troll-slaying guy who's constantly depicted as crushing a serpent. Yes. It's, it's a whole thing. It's a whole cycle of things. And it's all actually interconnected. And it all has to do with who we are. And that the powers that be, these academics and scholars and experts, they always manipulate the truth for control. It's And it's nothing new. It's something that has been written about well, for it's, centuries. Well, it's like in America. They've got everyone convinced we were basically a puritanical nation for the first 300 years of our existence. No, no. When you have freaking Doc Holliday talking about how he lived in the wilderness and learned of the and came to know the many gods. And he wasn't talking about Coyote and Quetzalcoatl people. Right. Well, and oddly, most of the oldest churches are on the eastern seaboard. And then as you go through the rest of the country, they all seem to to just pop up at the same time, right around between 1920 and 1950. Well, and here's my thing. Right after World War One and World War Two, as a matter of fact. Go why, figure. Why would you have to send evangelicals out west to preach to an already Christian populace? Yes. Or north to preach to an already Christian populace. Well, you don't have to. No. Well, I mean, the West even has the most notable American version of the Wild Hunt, the Ghost Riders. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have Santa Claus's Wild Ride. So, so, so Christian. But well, and there's okay. Let, let's let's pull back from this, and we'll go back to the mounds. So, how did the mounds get full of dirt? In some cases, they were built to be mounds. So you put up the the stone wall because the ones they don't all have stone walls, but the most impressive ones do. So you put up your walls, you fill it in with dirt, and you call it a mound. You decorate it. You make false openings, all this other good stuff. But some of them don't have false openings. Why? My suspicion is that they were houses of a chief, somebody that had a lot of cattle, somebody that was just important because they're not all huge. Some of them are small. So it might have been like a local hero, whether that's a war hero or somebody that just... this. This old lady lives here, and she she birthed, not herself, but um, what are those ladies called that help with the birthing process? Midwives. Midwives. She was a midwife, and she birthed almost everybody in the village. Let us bury her here. Well, and actually, there's an example of something like this in uh, the Discworld series. The story, uh, it's the first Tiffany Aching book. Her grandmother was so respected no one could take over her house. So they literally burned it. And the area in which she lived became this like pseudo sacral site. Yes. I mean, she basically became deified. Mm -hmm. Like they started referring to, you know, the vultures that she used to take care of as like hers, like they were hers and almost. And then like there were folklore around sheep and rocks that became tied to her. And right. it's because and she was so valued. Here's the thing is while that's coming from a fictional story, these things happen in real life. Well, yeah, they, they, they're all over the place. And um, 
If you think that we don't semi-deify and then make pilgrimages to real people, then you haven't paid very much attention. Because, like, just in America, the Betsy Ross House, mm -hmm. Elvis Presley's Praise Land, the Alamo. Yeah. These are all sacral sites to the American consciousness. Um, Grand Canyon. I mean, there, there's these places that everybody goes to. Which well, brings not me everybody, to but another thing is... Our national parks are an attempt to get back to the sacred groves. Yes. Consciously or unconsciously. Because what did we pick? Well, and that was one of the intentions, actually, of the national parks. Well, I mean, Teddy Roosevelt even has that famous quote about how we should keep these forests like we would keep a grand cathedral. And when it comes to all these things, it's about understanding our own nature. Like, for instance, we've brought up before not only that we're bear people but were the hairy people yeah, there's all these stories of wood woeses running around in the woods and then they just kind of disappear well i mean if you've stayed pagan and the fae and the elves and all these different humanoid spirits are conflated with the pagans well if you just want people to leave you alone what do you do you go into your mound house and people who are building the wood houses which i'm not saying they didn't exist but i think they were more specialized like they were the communal building or they were local meeting places or like in um and Scandinavia, and yes, Scandinavia has sod houses too. But some of their main halls, there's writings from long, long ago that describe how the Scandinavian houses look like boats flipped upside down. In both Scandinavia and in Iceland. Uh, but in Iceland, they were literally boats that were flipped upside down. In Scandinavia, they might have actually been boats that were flipped upside down. And then it becomes a style. Right, and then eventually it becomes a style, and then they just start building houses that way. Why? Because they don't want to look stupid with this other type of house when everybody else's house looks like. It's the it's, same thing it's that the we keep, still do today. It's the keeping up with the Joneses. Yes, we've always done that. Well, Olaf has, you know, two big houses, and they're shaped like boats. And then ours, it's just the freaking mound. What do we do? What, uh, what do I pay you for, husband? I don't know why they suddenly became like Middle Eastern. I, I think I, I tried to do Scottish and it trended Dravidian because of the stereotype that whenever you want someone to be Scandinavian, for some reason, they have a Scottish accent if they speak English. Right. Yeah. I don't know. But anyways, um, yeah, it's basically keeping up with the Joneses. That's how fashion works. That's how well, all this stuff works. Well, and I've brought up before the, the witch cabins. Why did the witches have cabins? Or Sometimes they actually lived in like caves as hermits. That was a mm -hmm. whole thing, too. But it's because and people sometimes need... Literal, literally caves. I suspect more often than not, probably... Um, mounds that um, look like caves. Turf houses. Well, and... Uh, but why? Because people need to... The witch typically lives away from the common people, but that she needs to be found when she's needed. Right. So she can't have a house that no one knows where it right. is. And I don't think that she is necessarily ostracized. It's just at a certain point um, of intelligence or or emotional aggravation, I guess. You just can't deal with well, it. Well, uh, this is a good quote. Loneliness is often the byproduct of a gifted mind. Right. Doesn't necessarily mean... Oh, I like people, therefore I'm not as smart, or you're saying I'm not smart. No, 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 no. There's personality traits and quirks involved, too. Nothing is black and white. Everything is shades of green. Well, it's like Sir Isaac Newton. He would pretty much go off and do his own thing. Same with a lot of famous artists. Right, but Benjamin Franklin, on the other hand, he was smart. He, he was one smart dude, and he was really social. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, super I, I, social. Don't leave your your wife alone with the guy social. Well, the dude would run around. He was he was my, one of my favorite forms of crazy guy. Mm -hmm. um, well, and I love the story. And not everybody that's solitary is super intelligent. Well, and he did Sometimes they're just dicks. Well, and he did kind of go off and do his own thing because mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to always get away with being naked. Though, fun fact, there were towns in America that would... Uh, purposely be nudist and they weren't actually nudist but they would allow that option specifically because they wanted the church to stay the fuck away yes and the church is not cool with nudity written down historical documents not everyone it up. not everyone was so adverse to nudity they were jacking off to ankle porn right you know <laughs> ankle porn just 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 a peak deer oh my her ankle she she took she took her sock slightly down <laughs> i'm so hard now <laughs> but the um 
the witch's cabin, and then you combine that with things like Baba Yaga, because Baba Yaga was associated with, like most of the crone slash maiden goddesses, she had some bird elements, and what do you have eventually? Especially if you have, like, a stilt house, because Baba Yaga often lives in swamps, and what's common in swamps? Stilt houses. If you're intelligent. Yes, and Baba Yaga definitely or was. Or vault houses, but most most frequently, frequently what you're going to see is stilt houses. And a stilt house, bird house bird house ah her house is a bird yes it's Jack. got chicken legs yes. and then why the bones well why not plus she's associated with the dead i mean she, usually she is lives a witch on the... so yeah why not and she does typically a lot of uh folk tales she lives on the edge of the land of the dead well and really i think um a lot of people are conflated with the deities which makes the deities stories grow but then that is also not always the case it's like a, this neat give and take back and forth. Well, it's like, here's the thing. A lot of mounds also were in the groves, and a lot of groves were also in the mounds. because or Around the mounds. Well, like, uh, there are mounds that are built in a ring rather mm -hmm. than in one, like, hill. Yes. And what would probably be in that middle of the ring? The same thing we usually put in the middle of our, our courtyards. Godswoods. Or orchards. Or there's also the possibility... Um, because there's some of them where you have a mound in the middle with the outlying mounds around it. That sounds to me almost like a military complex. Yes, and like those are typically fort. the big ones. And yeah. why do you get a bigger and bigger mound the more important the building? Well, one, easily defensible. Two, if you're building rooms inside that mound, all of a sudden, um, you basically have a uh, hill as a, doubling as a skyscraper. Right. Well, like uh, uh, Mott and Bailey, for instance. If I was to, to design a Mott and Bailey, which is a pseudo-fortress on a hill with the village below it on a hill, and it's encircled by a wall, um, I would actually have the entrance to the main chamber being on, on the very top with the building itself inside the dirt. I haven't seen any evidence indicating one way or the other if these old Mont Baileys were ever built that way, but I would not be surprised at all to find out that they were at one time um, where you build the, the fortress and then just cover it with dirt. Well, and here's the thing is, if you build the mounds high enough and you also have tree houses, then they're all interconnected. You can make pathways between all right. of them. Which also accounts for some of the, the weird um, architectural choices of some of the the remains of old buildings like we could tell by the number of stones it, and the way that they're laid out this wall used to be 30 feet high and then there's a door at the top where did it go well maybe yes. it went to the sacred grove and there was a rope bridge who, who the fuck knows there's all kinds of possibilities it's not make stuff up but look at the evidence that's there and then try and reason it out Based on what we understand using of our own people. Yeah, using basic rules like what is our instincts? How is it that we think? We are lazy. Well, like Yes, we are very productive, but we, we figure out the most efficient way to do things. That's how we use our lazy in a positive in a positive way. We don't do things a hard way just because. Well, it's like um let's say that you your mound or you maybe you don't even have a mound, but basically let's argue that you die and they bury you with your treasure. You're specifically devoted to a deity that really matters to you like the the figure of the faithful Eckhart who was the uh, effectively extremely devoted to Hala and then when he died he became part of Hala's retinue he became like a, a demigod almost mm -hmm. um he is often associated as living in a linden tree what would have stopped that from starting out as he was extremely devoted and a great person who venerated Hala and then when he died he became sort of this demigod uh, deity figure with Hala and when he died he, because he was so devoted to Hala they buried him under a linden tree because right. those are sacred to Hala and this comes to a story that's actually really common in the folklore of the gods pointing out hey there's treasure under this tree mm -hmm. what if and it's usually under their sacred trees who would have thought what if that started out originally because the gods would tell you, hey, I have this devotee. He's been dead for 300 years, but there's freaking gold with him. It's under this tree. Mm -hmm. You need it. Well, and well, but how did the gold get there? Of course, the god put the gold there. Or, or when the guy was buried, they buried him with stuff. 
and then planted a tree on top of him. Yes, because elderberries, linden trees, these are sacred to Hala, apple trees too. Mm -hmm. So if you dig underneath one and lo and behold, well, and here's the thing is the bones wouldn't be there anymore. Yeah. Because the, 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 the tree would have absorbed it. The meat and the bones. Yes. So you just have the treasures left because the tree doesn't want to eat gold. Well, really, it can't. Well, just like us. Try swallowing a gold coin. Tell me how that works out for you. Right. But, yeah, it's... it's, Our nature is amazing. It's great. I constantly am saying that we're lazy. I am not bashing on us. This is actually why we are so innovative. Is because we want to make things easier. Right. Like, and it's not lazy in the way of like the Chinese and their construction. They will literally use boxes in place of, of actual materials. Yes. Well, and part of this is and why? Because well, but we went through the effort to paint it gray, so you can't tell the difference. That's the wrong kind of lazy. That is not the kind of lazy that we are. We are the kind of lazy of when we do a thing, we only want to do it once. Well, we're the kind of lazy that's like, you know what? It's hot. I could try to wear, you know, like a bikini thong or I could just run around naked because fuck it. Mm. Or, you know what? It's taking too long. I got other stuff to do. How about I invent the washing machine? Yeah, because I would rather go lay in the shade under the tree rather than washing this all day. Yes, it's it's how we work. It's instinctive. It's like permaculture or regenerative agriculture. These are buzzwords for shit we just used to do. Like the animals that we used to keep as pets, they're still wild today. Magpies. Well, and with the, the regenerative and the permaculture and the food force and all this stuff. Okay, if you're going to start one, it's a lot of work up front. Our lazy nature says... Okay, there's a lot of work up front, but once it's established, Free there's there's almost no work on the back end of it. It just takes care of itself. The well, animals come in and do their things, and everything is taken care of. And all I got to do is walk out there. That is our kind of lazy. We will do all this hard work up front so that we don't have to do it on the back end. Yes, it's like, for instance... Um, why do we have Christmas trees? Because we used to have a tree outside. We didn't bother to cut it down. We just kept it. And, and every then when year, it got too big, we just do another tree. Yes. In fact, we that might be partly how the Yule log and the Christmas tree connect. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's too big. It's close to death. Yule log, everybody. But this baby tree, this one will be good for a while. Right. I mean, it is one actual possibility. Well, that and, you know, when you're not constantly cutting the trees down, you're going to end up with some older trees that need removed anyways. Precisely. And if you honor most of the living trees, well, the Yule log would be a, one of the honored trees, not one that just happened to fall down. Yeah. Well, because eventually you will have to replant trees in the Everything sacred dies. grove. Everything living dies. Yes. But like there are sacred trees in America. And unfortunately, a lot of their names are Christian. But like the angel oak, mm-hmm. it's about as old as, uni- as the United States is as a country. It's on the eastern seaboard. It is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely gorgeous. It's possibly the prettiest oak in all of North America. But I mean, really, when looking at these old things, don't just take the expert's word on it. Look at, at what the thing is. Look at the actual information presented. Think about our people and our nature and say, does this make sense? Or does something else potentially make more sense? Yes, because here's the thing is, we are not the type to do things pointlessly. It's like you and I have theorized that what start what we now do the Easter egg hunt mm-hmm. started out as literally encouraging the kids to forage for bird eggs. Because here's a fun fact, people: most bird eggs aren't just straight up white. Yeah. So what do you do? You color them for ki- the tr- kids to train, and then they just start looking. And then you don't take all of the eggs because, but birds usually lay more than they need, especially if you live in a, a tree grove mm-hmm. with a crap ton of bird eggs. And then, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, basically what you're saying very clumsily is looking for Easter eggs and some of the traditional designs on them are to mimic wild eggs. Why would you do that? To teach your young how to find the eggs. Look under this and look up in the, the tree branches because 
we have a tendency to hide them in places where birds might actually nest underneath a bush. Yes, I know that you probably put yours underneath a sand bucket in your yard, but that's because you don't have a bush. Let people have plants and all of a sudden, by instinct, everybody will hide them in the tall tufts of grass, in the branches of the tree, and in deep inside the bush. They will use the natural things instinctively. Well, it's like the communal uh, Easter egg hunts are supposed to be communal. They, yes. they only recently became a single family thing and you would do it outside typically in the park or something. Yeah. I, and, I mean, in my lifetime, it was communal. I'm hoping it was still a thing when, when you as a kid, no, no, but, almost gone, but that's the destruction of community. So just like Halloween, we have to start building up communities. We have to, well, but, um, on that note, we are actually out of time. Well, I will simply finish up with saying we are who we are. All of these things from mounds, mausoleums, cave paintings, fey, elves, growing beards, everything that we are, we still do instinctively, biologically, spiritually. It's just been contorted and we've been taught not to see it. And with that, the lore keeper is going to sign off. All right. All right, so uh, yeah, I'm out of here. I'll see you guys next week. Keep your heads up. Don't keep your mouth shut. Do keep your powder dry because uh, they're on the move now. Shit's done already hit the fan. All right, see you guys later.